This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. missionary journeys. You've been through all over Galatia and share the gospel of Jesus Christ so all the Gentiles, churches are popping up all over the woodworks. Churches, they're flourishing, they're growing. He comes to Jerusalem. No fruit, only riots. Only riots and they're calling for his death. He goes to the temple. A riot breaks out. He shares his testimony there in the foots of the Antonio Fortress. They call for his death all the more. Perhaps no single man has been used more of God than the Apostle Paul. He established many churches and wrote much of the New Testament. However, when Paul's passionate zeal for his own people led him to preach the gospel in Jerusalem, he was met with great opposition. In today's message, Pastor Eddie teaches us that when we proclaim the good news, it will not always be easy. We may not even live to see the fruits of our labor, but God's word will never return void. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie for today's edition of Running the Race. Well, in our last study, we left off in Acts chapter 23, verse 11. We see that after Paul has made his way to Jerusalem, after Paul was nearly beaten to death by a mob of worshipers in Acts chapter 21, and after Paul shared his testimony to an angry mob in Acts chapter 22, he shares with them how Jesus called him. And the Lord Jesus said to him there on the road to Damascus, he said in Acts 22, verse 21, Depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. Now, once Paul had shared his testimony, his testimony ended because once he shared the word Gentiles, uh, that kind of got the crowd really angry. The fact that God, they could fellowship with God along with Gentiles was blasphemous to them. So the crowd uh, were, were really upset in the fact that he mentioned the word Gentiles. They raised their voice and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for he is not fit to live. Now, if it were not for the commander, Claudius, and his Roman soldiers, the apostle Paul uh, and his ministry would have already ended but God, by his sovereignty, used uh, the commander and the Roman soldiers to keep him and to protect him. And so if, if it wasn't for Claudius and, and his, the Roman soldiers, Paul would have been in the presence of the Lord. Now, the commander Claudius, at this time, he's still uncertain as to why Paul was accused by this angry Jewish mob. And so he commanded the chief priest and their council to settle the matter. And so they brought Paul to the council. Now, the, the Sanhedrin council is made up of 70 leaders, divided by Sanhedrins, uh, the Sadducees, I'm so sorry, and the Pharisees. And so he commanded the chief priests to settle the matter. They bring Paul before the Sanhedrin council, and the high priest there ordered the men who were standing right next to Paul to strike him in the mouth. 
What a way to open up the court session. Strike him in the mouth without even questioning him, without even saying a word. And so Paul, he knew the law. Paul knew that it was unlawful to judge a man before a fair trial. And so Paul called to Ananias and he said, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. Again, because Paul vented that way, does it give us a license to be angry and to get upset at someone? But interesting to know that two years after Paul mentioned this to Ananias, Ananias was killed. And so historians tell us, Josephus tells us that he was right during the Jewish revolt, that he was hiding in the sewer. They found him and they, and they killed him. Anyway, Paul at this time perceived that the, the, the Sanhedrin council, there were two parts, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Sadducees, uh, they denied the resurrection of the dead. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of dead. They didn't believe in spirits. They didn't believe in angels. So this is why they are sad, you see. Okay, I just had, I said a lot. It was, it's just, I have to throw it in there. And so the Pharisees, they believed in the resurrection of the dead as well as they believed in the existence of spirits and angels. So there's two schools of thoughts here. And Paul knew this. Paul knew this because he once himself was standing in their places and sitting in their chairs And Paul, knowing this, in verse 6, this is what he says. Knowing that there's two schools of thoughts here, Paul says, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. Concerning the hope and the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged. So he brings out this statement, knowing that he's mentioning the hope and the resurrection of the dead, knowing that these these 70 men are going to argue Theology. They're going to argue about the, the, the study of you know, the resurrection of the dead, angels and spirits. And now Paul mentioning this divided the council. Now, if, we, if you've been with us in our study of Paul through the book of Acts, we know Paul's heart. Paul didn't want to bring division. That's not, that's not what Christians do. Christians don't do that. We don't want to bring division, argument. We want to reconcile. We want to share the gospel and with love. And it was Paul's heart not to divide them, but to get the opportunity to uh, reason with them and share with them about the resurrection. And who is the resurrection? Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. And this is what Paul wanted to do as he stands before the council. He's not there to bring a division. He's not there to defend himself. He's there to talk about Jesus Christ and him, him crucified. He wants to share about the resurrection of Jesus. And because Jesus rose from the grave, he conquered sin and death. What does that mean? You and I rise from the grave with Jesus Christ. And so he wanted the opportunity to discuss the topic and to reason with them about Jesus Christ. Now, when the Pharisees found out that Paul was a Pharisee, that section of the council, they sided with Paul. They sided with Paul. And they rallied around him because they didn't want to give uh, the, uh, the Sadducees any play in the, in the matter. And so, at the same time, they supported Paul. And this is what they said. They said, we find no evil in this man. But if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him, let us not fight against God. This is what the Pharisees said. Now, the Pharisees, by doing this, they, they, they support Paul and at the same time condemning the Sadducees. And so now the issue about 
Paul and the way, remember he was with the people of the way, the Christians. That was the first title for Christians, the way. And because, you know, you know the, the issue of, of Paul being with the ways and being, being with the Gentiles, that issue has been pushed aside. Now the matter is all about resurrection. And what would the Pharisees do? What were they pointing out here? They were saying that we find no evil in this man, but if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him, they're referring to Paul's testimony when he spoke about his road to Damascus experience when he met with Jesus. They say whether, whether it was a spirit or angel that he has spoke, that spoken to him, let us not fight against him. And so, see, Paul didn't want to bring a division. He just wanted to reconcile. He wanted to reason with them, actually. He wanted to share about Jesus Christ. And so there was a division between the Sanhedrin council. And once again, the commander, Claudius, comes to the rescue. The commander sent his soldiers to take the apostle Paul by force and to bring him back into the barracks, lest they pull him to pieces. And here's where we left off in verse 11. In verse 11, the Lord's going to appear before uh, uh, Paul. He's going to speak to him, and he's, and he's going to say, he says, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness to me in Rome. Now, let's go back for a little bit. If you've been with us in our study, you find that Paul had a desire, he had a passion to go to Jerusalem. Why? Because he wanted to share about Jesus Christ to his fellow Jews, to his fellow Israelites. That's all he wanted to do. He had a passion and desire. And all he wanted to do was to share about Jesus Christ. Despite all the warnings that, he, that was given to him by the disciples in Tyre, the disciples in Caesarea, those who were with him in Philippi, even the prophet Agabus warns what would happen if he went to Jerusalem. More importantly, even the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit did not deny him. The Holy Spirit did not say, you cannot go. The Holy Spirit only warned what would happen. And God knows his desire. He continued to go. Now, he's not arrested here. He's taken in protective custody. And as he sits in the barracks, can you imagine? Let's, let's, Let's go to the scene here. Paul's in the barracks. He's listening, the shouting and yelling, the calling for his death. He had a passion to come to Jerusalem and share the gospel with his fellow Israelites. What's going through his mind? What's in his heart? What's in his spirit? All he had was a passion to share the gospel. Where's the fruit of the labor? He's been through three missionary journeys. He's been through all over Galatia and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. So all the Gentiles, churches are popping up all over the woodworks. Churches, they're flourishing, they're growing. He comes to Jerusalem. No fruit, only riots. Only riots, and they're calling for his death. He goes to the temple. A riot breaks out. He shares his testimony. They're in the foots of the Antonio Fortress. They call for his death all the more. He stands before the Sanhedrin council. He brings a division among the most powerful men in all of Israel. These 70 men decide... The law. They interpret the laws of Moses. These are the most powerful men in all of Israel. It was the Sanhedrin council. He brings a division there, and they wanted to kill him. Where's the fruit? I don't know if you've ever been like, felt like Paul or been in that place where you continue to serve and minister and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where's the fruit? 
Where's the fruit? Where's God? Can you imagine at this point, before even Jesus spoke to him, how he felt? This is the reason why the Lord encouraged him to be of good cheer. It's probably he felt, where's the Lord? All I had was a passion for my fellow brethren. I knew the warnings, but I said, I did not count my life dear to myself. I'm willing to die for the gospel. Where's the Lord? Where's the fruit? There'll be times when it feels like that God has forgotten you. There'll be times when it feels like God is absent in your life. I'm not talking about us walking away from the Lord. I'm not talking about the times when, you know, you've been so busy with your own life. You don't, you don't, you don't even include God. I'm not talking about that distance. I'm talking about, you know, you're doing what you're called to do. You're being faithful. And you're sharing the gospel. You're being faithful and spending time in devotion in the word and in prayer. And sometimes it seems like God is distant. All these things, all these trials and tribulations are coming in. If any, any man that really knew what it was like is a man named Job. Remember Job when, when the Lord, uh, you know, before the Lord added to his life, he lost his family, he lost his business, he lost his cattle, he lost everything. Everything was wiped away from him, even boils. And this is what Job said, knowing God. In Job chapter 23, verses 8 and 9, Job says, look, I go forward, but he's not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. And when he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. I don't know if you've ever been in that place. I've been in that place before. I don't like to be in that place, to be honest. I depend on the Lord. And this is, this is Job. Saints, I'm telling you, there will be time when God may seem absent in your life, even in your darkest hour. And it seems, you know, you can't understand whether it's, you know, what God's will, God's plan for your life in the matter. And you're praying and you're seeking God for answer. Even when you pray, sometimes you feel like you're praying, but God's not there. Can I tell you, God is always there. He is always there. He would never leave you nor forsake you. Because here's what, what Job says the next verse in Job chapter 8, verse 10. He says, and he knows the way that I take. When he had tested me, I shall come forth as gold. He knows the way when he had tested me. You know, there are times when God tests you. I know for me, that's how the Lord works in my life. Say, Eddie, we need, to, you, we need to stretch your faith. You know, you're only depending on me for two or three hours. I want to see how you live five or six hours. Let's see how you do in one day. Let's see how you do in one week. And we need God to bless our faith. We need to, uh, to grow in faith. And this is what God does sometimes. I know God is working in, in Paul. And here Paul is just sitting there. But Paul knows, he writes later, he writes to the church of Rome in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. Not some of the things. All things work together for those who love God. That's the difference. Those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. You're, you're not living your life your way. 
You're not saying, Lord, this is the way I want to live my life. I know ministry better than you, God. (laughs) According to his purpose, to be faithful. Somebody has well said this. God is often behind the scenes, but he moves all the scenes that he is behind. And that is so true. God is faithful. God is there. His eyes are on you. If his eyes are on the the sparrow, how much more you? He loves you. Now, many of you here are parents or you had good parents. You know what it's like. You can't keep your eye off your children. You can't even, you, you got to keep, well, in a good sense, you know. You just love them. All messed up, you know, face, chocolate, smelling like a bathroom. You didn't change them. You still love them. You love your children. Even to hear their voice, you just love to hear their voices. God that is greater, how much more? You. God loves you. The psalmist write this, Psalms 139, 7 to 8. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? For I ascended to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. I will never leave you nor forsake you, the Lord said. God is omnipresent. That's what it's saying. No matter where you are in the universe, God is there. When you go to Walmart, God is there. When you're driving in your car, God is there. Even the DMV, the worst place to be. <laughs> God is there. He's omnipresent. He's all place at all times. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Would you let your two-year-old, three-year-old run around in the mall? I know sometimes you feel like you want to do that, but no, you can't do that. God wouldn't do that. So here is Paul. You know, all the warnings, he gets there, all the riots, no fruit. He's there in the barracks. There he stands alone, the Lord said in verse 11. But be of good cheer, Paul, for I have, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. And so the Lord's message to, to Paul, be of good cheer, simply means to take courage. And I'm sure that encouraged Paul. Not only the fact that the Lord visited him there, not only because the Lord spoke to him, but because the Lord had confirmed that he was, what? Testifying. Wow. I may not see the fruit, but the Lord said, just as you testify for me in Jerusalem, his ears went up. You mean I am still a testimony here? I am testifying of you? I don't see the fruit, but if you tell me I'm testifying, that's, that's good enough. I need to please the Lord, not man. You tell me that's good. The Lord said, not only if you testify me, you would also go to Rome. What was Paul's desire? Oh, how I longed to go to Rome. Paul traveled throughout his three missionary journeys he has done, all throughout Asia, Minor, and Galatia, all throughout Europe. He has shared the gospel, and he sees that the greatest influence that all these countries had at that time was the influence of Rome. And he figures if, I could, if Rome could influence most of the world, I'm going to go to Rome. Hopefully the whole world would be uh, influenced by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why he had a passion to go there. And Paul's going to go to Rome, but not the way he wants to. <laughs> He's not going there as a tourist. He's going to go there as a prisoner. But guess what? The Lord's going to use it because he's going to be chained to Roman soldiers. Every six hours, a new shift is coming, a new Roman soldier is coming in. And every Roman soldier has been chained up to Paul and given their life to Christ. And the whole palace there where Rome, all these Roman soldiers are hanging out, they're there in the locker room taking off their shields and their cleats and they're talking about, I was chained for this guy who was a nut, but I believe in Jesus Christ. 
It's going to be great. He's in prison. He writes letters. He's in prison. He still shares the gospel. It's the way he, it's just being sold out for Jesus, the bottom line. And so, because Paul was faithful, faithful to testify of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem, the Lord's going to grant his desire. He's going to grant his desire. His desire is not a fleshly, selfish desire. We all have desires. We all have material things that we want. We're not talking about that. I'm talking about desire to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I remember when I went to Israel the first time in 2005, I had a Messiah believer. It just gave me one verse, Psalms 20, verse 4. Psalms 20, verse 4. I even have a market in my Bible. And it says, God will fulfill your desire, will give you your heart's desire, fulfill your purposes. And what was my desire? You know, back in the day, I had my own desires. Back in the, in the early uh, stages of my life, you know, I still had my fleshly desires, but I died to a lot of these things. My desire is God desired. If God were to ask me, what is your desire, Ed? I'm going to say, Lord, what's your desire? Who cares about these earthly things? Who cares about this world? We have our citizenship is in heaven, and we get so so consumed that we're not really investing in the kingdom of God. We're investing, and we want to build our kingdom in heaven here. It's not about here, folks. We need to wake up. This is all temporary. It's what God wants. And so the next day, the Lord appears to him the next day in verse 12, and when it was day, some of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under an oath, saying, that they would neither eat nor drink till they have killed Paul. Now, there were more than 40 who had formed this conspiracy. So Paul, he's no stranger to plots. Throughout his ministry, they've plotted to kill him. Here's a few verses, Acts chapter 9, verses 24. This is when he was Saul. It says, but their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Later on, Paul says... Serving in Acts chapter 20, verse 19, serving the Lord with all humanity, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. One plot after the other to kill Paul. Even in the beginning of his ministry, before his ministry, when, he, when his name was Saul, he didn't even change his name to Paul yet. They wanted, they plotted to kill him. Do you know the same thing happened with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Jesus, they wanted to kill him. Matthew 12, verse 14, Then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him, how they might destroy him. Now listen, saints, listen, listen. The will of God, the will of God will always lead to the cross. It may not be easy getting there. It'll be rough. Jesus, they, they beat Jesus. They, they whipped him before he even made it to the cross. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Running the Race. Eddie will continue teaching through the book of Acts next time. Now we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to runningtheraceradio.com. You can also subscribe to the Running the Race podcast at runningtheraceradio.com or search for Running the Race in the iTunes store. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to the Running the Race podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to runningtheraceradio.com and subscribe to the Running the Race podcast. Again, 
to become our Facebook friend and access the archive of messages, log on to runningtheraceradio.com. Now here's Tracy with information about how you can help partner with us. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that running the race is missionary work? It is. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting Running the Race. Go to runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Give option in the main menu. Thanks, Tracy. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next study as Eddie shares insights with us from the book of Acts. That's next time on Running the Race.